Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to the show. This is the Pop Rocks Radio, the Pop Rocks Radio Talk Show. Man, it would be better, you know, it would be great if I could figure out how to talk tonight. I don't know what's up with me today. Anyhow, anyhow, I'm very excited because we're, well, two reasons. We're doing a, a, a nighttime show here, at least uh, on my coast, and um, that's exciting because normally we do the daytime shows. I like doing these nighttime shows, man. This is pretty cool. Pretty cool. And what I'm really excited about, ladies and gentlemen, is, you know, it's a Tuesday. No, I'm, I'm kidding. I don't care that it's Tuesday. But um, I do care about our guest tonight. We've got a fantastic writer, director, filmmaker, um, just a really cool guy. He's got a brand new horror movie. You know, I this is labeled under horror, but I would label this psychological thriller with a, 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 a sidecar of horror added in there, um, but that's just my opinion. I'm by no means an expert, uh, but man, it's good. It's really good, and we've got the guy who made it on tonight, so how about that? How about that? Without further ado, I'd like to welcome Mr. Randy Van Dyke. Randy, how are you, sir? I am fantastic, and I am super happy you invited me on your show. I'm really excited, and I'm also especially excited about the fact that you absolutely nailed it on the head. Uh, it is a psychological thriller, and, um, you know, I, I kind of got – I'm not upset that, that it gets uh, – that it has the label of horror because I know that's kind of like the the, the main genre and, and, and the psychological thriller is just kind of like under the simil- under that same umbrella. But um, right. to, to really know the distinction between the two um, – I really appreciate that because if you're going into this movie expecting it to be a horror film, like a traditional horror film with blood and gore and jump scares and stuff like that, uh, it, it's probably you, – you may not have as, as good a time as going into it expecting a psychological thriller because if, if you want it to mess with your mind, then, then you're in the right place. Absolutely. Absolutely. And mess with my mind it did. This is one of those films I watched um, in, in – in thought about it permeated it soaked into my my cortex man I, I was thinking about this for days afterwards and that's good art you know that that is when something sticks with you that's good uh, it's hard to do folks that's high hard praise to do that. i appreciate you saying that <laughs> it oh, is yeah. really hard to do oh, yeah oh i'm telling you and you did it well too you know the thing is is, um, you know, this is an independent film, and I'm not trying to get in your business or anything, Randy. I, you know, I, I have no idea what the budget on this was. It didn't look cheap or anything like that. It looked, you know, like a, a good film to me. Um, you know, excuse my ignorance. I'm not, you know, I, I, I'm a civilian when I, I'm an audience uh, when, when I watch movies. I'm not an expert in it all. But, like, the lighting and, and, you know, just the way it was filmed and everything looked real good to me. Um, it did not look like a, what's the term people use, micro budget or anything like that. So I don't know if it was, but it certainly didn't look like one. 
Right. I think the the flag that we fall under technically is ultra low budget. At least those are the when we deal mm. with the unions and that kind of thing. That that's the uh, the paperwork that we have to do, the contracts we have to do, because our our price range falls under the ultra low budget agreements. Uh, but uh, yeah, I mean, just because you make something for for low cost doesn't mean that it has to look cheap. We put a lot of time and care and effort into making it look as cinematic as possible and getting the most out of our location. And it really helps, especially when you're working with a limited budget and uh, when you're working with a limited time frame to put the film together to have as few locations as possible. And this movie really kind of uh, worked out perfectly to that end because we found this abandoned animal shelter. And that's really what, what oh, wow. kind of inspired the, the whole story was – um, we were there location scouting for another film that I was working on. I, I'm, I also work as a cinematographer, so so I work a lot of behind-the-camera stuff. And um, we were looking for a location that we could use as a hospital, and we went out to this abandoned animal shelter. And uh, we were exploring it right around dusk, and we, we found an area that didn't have any electricity going to it. And um, we opened oh, this man. door, and all of a sudden we found ourselves in this giant kennel room. And it's actually where the first 30 minutes of the movie roughly takes place. And it was only lit by kind of like that gray twilight sky coming in through the skylights overhead in this big room because there was no electricity. And it was just so spooky seeing these big cement cubicles. And I just I just looked at the guys I was there with, and I'm like, oh, I just want to write a movie where I just chain up humans inside of this room <laughs> and, uh, and treat them like dogs. And, and that's really kind of the genesis of, uh, of the, or the biggest inspiration for, for where that movie started. That's fantastic. That is so cool. So, Randy, you and I were talking um, a little bit. Also, another inspiration for the uh, the film. Tell us about that. So, the the other inspiration for Like Dogs was uh, an actual thing that happened in real life, uh, the Stanford Prison Experiment. So, I don't know if you mm-hmm. or your listeners have heard about that before, but back in 1971 at Stanford University, they actually had um, – uh, a university-sanctioned and funded uh, experiment where uh, they had a bunch of volunteers that were role-playing as either guards or prisoners in a uh, prison right. scenario, like a role-play scenario. And it was supposed to last for something like two weeks, but it didn't go past six days because the uh, the ones that were role-playing as the guards kind of started getting a power trip and started being physically and emotionally abusive to the uh, to the guard to the inmates. Then the inmates were were starting to really become traumatized deeply and they were starting to fight and people were starting to get hurt mm-hmm. and that kind of thing and, and it, it was this this uh really interesting like real kind of psychological experiment yeah that that just went wrong and, and it basically turned into a real prison uh or was, which is pretty much what it felt like and i was fascinated by that i was like wow you know if, if people will devolve you know in a, in a matter of six days and you know they still have a certain amount of like basic uh, human decency and and you know human interaction between each other. What would it be like, um, you know, if humans were being treated like animals? Like how long would it take for them to just kind of snap, or would they be able to be conditioned and trained like a dog would be? You know, how far can you push a human before they're going to hit their breaking point? And uh, just the idea of that kind of really uh, breathe some life into the experiment within the movie. Oh, it's crazy. It's crazy. I tell you a lot of it. I used to be friends. I used to live in San Diego. I I moved out uh, to the West coast after I got out of college 
And um, I became friends with this cat who was a, uh, a drill instructor by day and uh, went night clubbing with me at night and, and a bunch of us. And um, that was this guy's job. He broke people down for a living. And he would tell you that. He's like, yeah, he goes, I'm, I'm a jerk all day at work. You know, I paid <laughs> to do that. Um, but it's interesting because I, I was, we, we talked about the Stanford prison uh, experiment, uh, me and him one time. And I remember him saying, he goes, you would be amazed how quickly people psychologic, can psychologically change given the right uh, Petri dish, you know, the, the, the right set of circumstances. And um, yeah, that's, that's crazy. That is crazy. It is, uh, you know, it makes you think too, like in the future when people are going like to Mars and stuff, that's, everybody's talking about that now, you know, yeah, people mm-hmm. are going to go nuts, I think. <laughs> yeah. Six yeah. Well, between the, the long trip to get out there and then especially the first few people that are out there together, you're stuck with each other. You got nobody else. Right. That's, you better like each other. You better. Right. And we've all met somebody. I'm guilty of that. I, I've met people, not a lot. It hasn't happened a lot, but it's happened where through no fault of these people, I, they just rub me the wrong way. I'm like, oh, that guy's a jerk, you know? Um, right. And it, it's happened, you know? I, I'm not proud of it, but I'm honest. I own it. Um, but, yeah, that, right. that experience was crazy because you're right. It, I didn't know it was six days. I thought it was like a week or yeah. two into it. Speaking of dogs, there's my uh, <laughs> my wife just got home from work, ladies and gentlemen. Hold on, let me do the uh, the mute button here. Mei Ling, be quiet. I'm doing a show. Anyhow, <laughs> anyhow. Sorry about that, folks. I hope that mute button works. Probably didn't. We'll fix it in post. Well, it's fascinating, Randy. It's fascinating. <laughs> You know, and I was reading on the on the uh, Like Dogs IMDb, IMDb page that this was filmed in Riverside, um, Riverside, California, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, a fun town. I actually, I haven't been out there in 20 years, but uh, last time <laughs> I was there, I stayed in a in a motel. Um, I thought that's the one with the individual things, right? That was like shaped like Indian teepees. Um, it was fantastic. Oh, um, yeah, I've seen those. I've bit, seen those. Yeah. Had a good time in Riverside. Can't complain. Um, yeah, you know, the only thing that's that it's I, hot though. It's hot it and windy. Very, very hot, very windy. But we were shooting in the month of January, and uh, in a room in a building that didn't have uh, heating. It had air conditioning when it got warm, but it didn't have anything to warm up the place when it got <laughs> cold. So we had a bunch of space. Oh, and uh, as soon as we called cops, and all of your actors, robes that we put on the actors. Oh yeah. Oh man, all the actors yeah. are in like shorts and boxes and stuff. Barefoot. Yeah, so barefooting around. We had to keep a little space in the freezing cold. Warm. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> so the other okay, now don't shiver in this shake. Take. Yeah. Exactly. The only other thing about Riverside was it was outside of the 30-mile zone, which is a very real thing. People have heard of TMZ, but they don't always necessarily know what it means. It is the 30-mile zone. It basically describes how far outside of Hollywood uh, you're allowed to to do productions, and 
basically not have to pay the, the cast or crew anymore to drive or commute all the way out there. And Riverside is pretty far away from L.A., so mm. uh, it's probably at more than double the TMZ. So what we ended up having to do was we got an Airbnb, and we put up all the cast in one and all the crew in another, and it ended up being like a big summer camp. So as, as scary and horrifying as this movie is, imagine everybody in between the days that we're shooting just sitting there having fun, having a good old time, you know, oh, as if they were awesome. away at a summer camp. <laughs> that's awesome. I can, I, now, did you produce this as well? Did you have other producers on board? Yeah, I, I had several producers. That, that's one area of things that, that I like to surround myself with, with people that are way more knowledgeable than I am because um, I, I like the creative aspect of things. I like telling the stories. Mm-hmm. Um, and what the producers do is a lot of the paperwork and a lot of the, mm-hmm. the stuff that, you know, the logistics that keep the, the machine running. And uh, that's the stuff that I don't find myself as good at. So I like to surround myself with people that are really good at that kind of stuff. And I had a great producing team. So they well, they helped awesome. make make the whole thing possible. That's cool. I imagine they were, when you were t- saying Riverside, they were probably, you know, having kittens at first. And then you're like, oh, we're getting an Airbnb. So it's all good, man. Okay. <laughs> right. We're back on track. Just a matter of, <laughs> just a matter of getting people to show up because it's such a long commute. I can only imagine because I, I, I love actors, but they, they are not always known for being the most prompt people. So if we left them to their own devices, they may show up late every day and we would just get hold of the time schedule. So it's better to keep them close to set so that we can uh, keep the, keep the train running. All those Silver Lake parties, man, hung over that. No, it's all professionals. Professionals. Um, Anyhow, this movie, no, I don't want to give anything away on it because I want people to watch it. It dropped the first, right? It is out right now. People can watch it. It is. Absolutely, yeah. It dropped October 1st. It's out on Amazon Prime. If you're a Prime member, you can watch it for free. Uh, it's on Tubi nice. with ads. You can watch it for free on Tubi. Uh, it's on Google Play, Apple TV, a bunch of other platforms. Well, I tell you, ladies and gentlemen, after the show, um, this is the first I knew that it was, it was on Amazon Prime and Tubi. I'll, I'll post those. I'll blast it on all my social media, um, both of those links, so you know you guys can watch this. This is one of those trippy movies, man. It is, it is a, a mind bender, and um, I don't want to give anything away because i got to be careful with what I'm saying here um, about the film. Now, I'm going to kind of just think about the trailer for a little bit and what's written on the, uh, I don't know what you call this, the, the synopsis uh, of the movie. Yeah. Um, it, you know, there, there's a couple, well, there's a gal, and then you find out there's a guy, um, and I don't want to say anything more on that level, but um, the, the gal goes out for a run. She gets kidnapped, you, you know, and, and wakes up in this experiment. Uh, it's, it's bad, man. It's not good. <laughs> and it's, it's well, we definitely just, we, we wanted to get viewers into it the same way that we get the character into it. So um, we want to make it just as, as disorienting for, for somebody watching this for the first time as it is for the character who's living the experience. So it, it's very much from, from her point of view. And really for the first 30 minutes of the movie, you're, you are living and breathing and eating uh, through our, our lead character. 
Well, it's crazy. And th- this movie, I'll describe it like an onion. As the movie goes along, and it's not a slow burn, it, it, it keeps you, you're in it, man. And it, it moves right, the, I guess pacing's what they call it. It's fantastic. And you just, it, there's no getting up and going to the washroom. You know, well, I guess if you pause the movie, you could, but you don't want to, because you want to, you're in it, you're on this ride. And, um, but you don't want to miss anything, because these layers of, of story just come, keep coming. And it, it's fantastic the way you've done that. You, sir, are real, real good at what you do. Um, this was really a, a great film. Um, you know, I see I a lot of independent films. Oh, yeah, man. Well, I'm, I'm just saying it like I see it, you know. Um, I see a lot of independent films, and, you know, a lot of them are pretty good. I will say this. I work with October Coast, uh, the PR company, to, to see a lot of these films, and they send some, some good ones. Every so often, there, there's, you know, one that is kind of like, oh, I don't know about that. Um, <laughs> this was a pleasant, very pleasant, uh, in that it was just so cool and twisted and and just all the things I really like, <laughs> you know, in a film. I, I'm not necessarily a horror guy. I would much ra- I'm one of those guys, I'll be real honest with you folks, I would rather watch Silence of the Lamb, I find that much more scary than Friday the 13th. But I'm not throwing shade at the people who like Friday the 13th. I'm just saying, that's me. This would fall into that. You know, this is a twist. It's kind of funny that you say that, because I, I, I'm totally in the same boat with you there. Absolutely. Because I, I grew up uh, watching horror movies in the 80s, like Nightmare on the mm-hmm. uh Freddy Krueger. I absolutely love those movies so much. Um, and so much of kind of the traditional horror, blood and guts kind of uh, genre. It's just a lot of fun. But it was never really uh, – it, it was never my, my, my go-to. It wasn't really my, my big thing. Like I come from a comedy background. The last two feature films that I made were comedies, and I wanted to do something a little bit different. I wanted to kind of dabble in the dark side a little bit and just kind of see what I could put together. Because when you think about it you know, at its core – Comedy isn't that different from from horror mm-hmm. or, or psychological thriller, that kind of thing. You're writing to get a reaction out of somebody. You know, one you're hoping they're going right. to laugh. The other one you're hoping they're going to feel something. You're going to you're hoping you're going to spook them a little bit. Um, and it, it, obviously, the, the the road that you take to get there is going to be a little bit different. But but at the at the core, you're still kind of following the same beats. You're still trying to get the same amount of reactions out of somebody every time. And uh, it was just really kind of fun just to kind of challenge myself and do something a little bit different. And and like you were saying, you know, uh, watching Silence of the Lambs over something like Friday the 13th, you know, what always kind of scared me most of all was what the actual human mind was capable of. You know, it wasn't the guy Absolutely. in the rubber mask or, you know, a big prosthetic monster or something like that, although those are definitely spooky, and I love those movies too. Um, for me, what was always the scariest is what could actually happen? What's the most grounded in reality, and what's the most twisted things that, you know, could actually happen to a person kind of thing? And and that was what really fueled me with this, and it was just getting into these characters' minds and uh, really just giving them – dark motivations and dark backgrounds and just really playing with things that could totally happen in real, in real life. You wouldn't want it to, you hope it doesn't, but, but this kind of thing, it, it's not outside of, of 
the realm of possibility. And that's what makes it so scary. Oh, and now, folks, a couple quick messages from some of our show sponsors. Stay tuned. We'll be back with the rest of the interview after these quick messages. Listen to this cool episode ad-free. If you're a VIP member, you can become one on my website, www.jamierocks.us, www.jamierox.us. This is a message from the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention. Older adults and people of any age who have serious underlying medical conditions are at higher risk for severe illness from COVID-19. If you are at higher risk, you should stay home as much as possible and avoid close contact with people who are sick to protect yourself. Call your doctor if you have concerns about COVID-19 and your medical condition or if you get sick. For more information, visit cdc.gov. Metal Babe Mayhem is more than just an online store, it's a destination. MetalBabeMayhem.com carries over 150 rock and roll products, including clothing, jewelry, and accessories. Metal Babe Mayhem also offers shrine clothing and alchemy gothic jewelry. In addition, Metal Babe Mayhem founder Allison Metal Babe Cohen is a rock and roll journalist who supports local and national artists with rock and reviews, interviews, playlists, networking, and more. Metal Bay Mayhem is taking over the world one shirt at a time. Glittering amethyst, energizing citrine, colorful fluorite, the other side of the sun, Earth's treasures brought to light. Since 1999, we have offered a unique collection of hand-selected minerals and gems for every budget, for novices, collectors, and healers. Visit www.tosots.com to view our wide selection of offerings and use coupon code ROXX, that's R-O-X-X, for 10% off your first order. Remember... T-O-S-O-T-S dot com. Earth's treasures brought to light. Hi folks, Jamie Rocks here. Hey, if you're a big fan of uh, historical, cool historical books uh, like me, then you're going to want to check out our newest uh, show sponsor, Michelle Albion. Uh, fantastic author. She's got some really interesting, cool books out uh, that you're going to want to check out. I'm a big fan of all of these. Uh, the Florida Life of Thomas Edison, the quotable Edison, quotable Henry Ford, uh, quotable Eleanor Roosevelt, and of course the quotable Amelia Earhart. Uh, Michelle's just very keen and, and very very cool, um, and these are just very cool books. So check out her website. Uh, there's links to uh, where you can pick these up on Amazon and Barnes and Noble all over the place. Uh, MichelleAlbion.com. M i c h e l e a l b i o n dot com michellealbion dot com very very cool stuff check it out folks. 
absolutely. My wife, my wife is into. I call them murder shows. She, lo- I don't think that there's been oh, a yeah. crime committed in the United States that we have not watched a, a show about. You know, a Dateline or something. Like that. She <laughs> loved all that stuff. Um, anyhow, you know, the thing is, I've watched a lot enough. You know, because I'm married, so. <laughs> that whole myth. I thought when you got married, the guy keeps control of the remote control. Not so, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen, at least in my case. Um, but anyway, I watched enough of these. And, uh, uh, you know, you read the paper, and there's just, you know, horrific stuff that happens all the time. And you're, you're absolutely right. You're like, oh, my God, there is some twisted, messed up, you know, and it's usually software, not hardware. Um people out there, you know, that, that just, mm-hmm. you know, that that guy that kept those women chained up in the house in the basement for, you know, 11 years or whatever in Cleveland, you know, I was like, right. and that really happened, you know, that, that really, and, and your film, absolutely, I've seen enough Law and Orders to know, yeah, that could be, that, <laughs> that can happen. <laughs> I'm just saying, I'm just saying, and I think that was really drew me in initially, the setup, and then um, the layers of onion and, and the, the acting. You found some fantastic actors for this film that really did, uh, you know, they, they sold it, man. I believed it. They, they sold it, and, and it, it worked well. Did you know? Uh, and the cool thing about this, it was almost like a Hitchcock movie, and you didn't have a whole ton of actors. You didn't have a huge cast on this. Uh, mm-hmm. But, man, you really got into the ones that you had. Did you know these guys and, and gals uh, prior, or did you go through a casting company? How, how, does that, how did that work, Randy? So uh, there's only one actor that I already knew before we, we shot this, um, and really? that was, uh, yeah, that was uh, Katie, the, the lady that plays uh, the professor in the film, Professor Fisher, oh. the one that, that comes in partway through and, uh, not to spoil mm-hmm. it for everybody, but we don't we don't we don't see her for a whole lot of the movie. But um, she was mm-hmm. the only one that that I had worked with in the past. And when I wrote that character, I thought, oh, she would be great for it. You know, she'll come in and do kind of like a a little cameo for it, right? Just because we've worked together before. And uh, again, it was a comedy movie that she was in last time of mine. And this time, I just wanted to give her something kind of fun to play with. But um, for the rest of them, for the lead actors that were there every day. Uh, it was my first time working with them, and we did a, a very extensive uh, casting search to try to find the, the right people for it. And my wife actually helped me out quite a bit with that. Um, she nice. she kind of has a, a knack for, for helping uh, really kind of find the, the right kind of people to embody these characters. And um, so we saw, you know, dozens of people – um, and then we started bringing them back in pairs and having them read against each other for chemistry, you know, to make sure that, you know, mm. if they're supposed to be friends or if they're supposed to be romantically linked, you know, is it going to be believable? Is it going to feel right? That kind of thing. So we brought them back for chemistry reads. And it just so happens that both of my leads, uh, Annabelle Barrett and Ignacio Martinia, both came from New York. <laughs> they were both New York, ah. but we shot in California. Um but uh, so they had kind of had this like uh, New York personality and they just clicked immediately, you know, um, and they were just wonderful together. So, so of course I ended up having to, to cast them as my two leads and um, the yeah. rest of the, the cast was just great and just kind of fell into place and they were perfect for it. 
Well, it's it's so great. And one of the things that I, uh, I that caught my attention when I first got the press kit um, uh, from the fine folks at October Coast uh, is, uh, you know, it, it, they had the little write-up and everything, and it says, you know, Annabelle, Annabelle Barrett. And then they, they usually put in, in uh, parentheses, um, or brackets, I should say, um, no, parentheses, that's right, I'm, I'm right, um, the other films that these uh, characters have been in, or these actors have been in, and, mm-hmm. and whatnot. And on Annabelle's, it says, you know, from the upcoming Clifford the Big Red Dog movie, and I'm like, well, that's great, because <laughs> here she is in this. <laughs> oh, man, I think Clifford's going to be a little different. I'm hoping... <laughs> Definitely. Well, from the yeah, from the point where uh, where Clifford was shot, and then um, till now when like Dogs was released, she was also in two other features that have already come out as well. So she's she's been busy. Wow. And um, yeah, it's just taking Clifford the Big Red Dog that long to finish in post production to come out <laughs> into the world. I think yeah. of course the pandemic may have had something to do with that, but. Yeah, and plus he's a bit he's big, you know, and red. Well, um, yeah, yeah. I mean, he only moves so fast. <laughs> that's right. That's right. Let me ask you this, Randy. Um, well, I've got you on the phone. You're fascinating. You, you, this is such a good film, and I want everybody to see it. And again, I'm going to be posting those links, ladies and gentlemen, um, and we'll put those on the show page. And those links will follow the um, when we all of our links. We have links to the IMDb page and all of uh, Randy's uh, social media, Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Um, but we'll be adding those after the show uh, so you can watch the film. And all the links when we convert these to a podcast, you know, if you're in the future and you're listening to this on Spotify or something, you can just click right on the link and it'll get you there, you know, and you can add Randy on Instagram and, and look at all of his, his crazy stuff on Instagram, and, you know, Twitter. And My Instagram is super um, boring. <laughs> So is mine. So is mine. That's, <laughs> I was just having this conversation the other night at dinner. Somebody was – I have all these weird friends, you know, and, and they, they were uh, – the, the topic of ghosts came up. And that, that, you know, it's one of – it's the season, I think. They're like, well, you know, yeah. your house is made in the 60s. Do you, do you think it's – and I said, man, I would feel bad if there's a ghost in my house. It was so boring, you know. They're like, really? Halloween Wars? We're watching pumpkin carving again tonight? Come on, people. Come on. That sounds like a serial typical nightmare. We know what's going to happen. Um, Yeah, there's not (laughs) a lot of excitement that happens. And and people, it's funny because people think that there is, and they're really, really, we are the homebodies, and it wasn't always the case, but as I get older, (laughs) you know, I'm like, oh, man. But anyway, do you you have any fun ghost stories? Not necessarily from where you live, but do you have any ghost stories? Oh, you know, there's a quote by somebody, and, and I want to say it was Edgar Allan Poe, but I don't think it was, because it's, it's not as grandiose as something he would say. But there's a quote that's in my mind that somebody said, maybe somebody listening knows and can let me know, but there's a great quote that sums up my feeling on ghosts. Um, I don't really believe in ghosts, but I've been terrified of them my entire life. <laughs> um, <that> really, <laughs> you know... That sums it up. I have never personally, nor do I want to, though. That's the thing. Like, I watch, my right. wife watches those ghost shows, you know, where they go searching for the, I'm like, I would be mm. terrible on that show because as soon as something happens, I would leave. <laughs> okay, see you later. Well, like, I'm, I'm going to show you. The show's only gonna... three minutes long. 
<laughs> no, you have one? I'm going to tell you a quick 30-second. I do, I do. I'm going to tell you a quick 30-second ghost story. So okay. I, don't, I don't really believe in ghosts either. I, I don't. I, I've, uh, but I will say this. When I was younger, when I was in college, I worked at Disneyland. And uh, uh-huh. believe it or not, there a lot more people have actually died there than, than they let on. And there um, – if you believe, if you believe the folks that do believe in the ghosts, there are malevolent spirits to be found. Now, I was there closing up shop late one night. Uh, it was about two in the morning. It was in the summertime. Everybody had left, and I was just locking up the money in the safe and uh, finishing up mm-hmm. the paperwork. And all of a sudden, I look up, and it was down in the stockroom where our office was, and I started seeing stuff just flying off shelves, kind of like. Kind of like the scene really? in Ghostbusters at the beginning in the in the library. I, I saw just one little thing fly off, and then a couple more things fly off. And let me tell you, I didn't stick around long enough to see anything else fly off. <laughs> I took off the hell out of there. And uh, you know, I only ever had one or two. I, I only ever had one or two moments like that. And honestly, we that that was an area that was known to have a, a, a rat infestation as well. So it could have been critters, maybe not ghosts. But let me tell you. I've I've questioned I've questioned my whole ideal about whether or not I believe in ghosts based on oh, what yes. I saw there that night. <laughs> I'm telling you, it's weird. As I get older, I think that maybe I'm a little older than you, but not by much, because um, you said you grew up in the '80s. I did as well. Um, but as I get older, one of the things I have learned is I don't know everything. Um, there's a lot of stuff I don't know. You know, um, <laughs> I totally could be wrong on things. You know, I've never, I'll, I'll give a, an example. I've never been very religious. It just wasn't in my family. You know, we just, maybe we went to church on Christmas, you know, that was about it growing up. Right. Um, never been religious. And I had some surgery about 10 years ago and I, I woke up and I, I, some stuff had happened. I was in the ICU and um, I woke up out of this and I thought, I'm like, I have been wrong, and I, I thought I might be in hell right then, you know? Oh, wow. And, I mean, with every fiber of my being, I'm like, oh, I think I've been off on that, you know? And uh, I wasn't, thank God, I suppose, you know, keeping up. Sounds like they um, gave you some good aesthetic. They did. They did. Again, the thing went nine hours too long. It, it was a big mess. But anyway, I um, – I did go to a local church after I got out of the hospital three months later and, uh, you know, put a $10 in the, uh, in the plate there. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. I was very appreciative, uh, you know, and you don't know, you, you know, and it's weird. New stuff happens all the time. You know, we're, I tell you this year, this year has been weird. They, they, now again, I definitely think we're not alone in the universe, but I don't know if, if, Farmers are getting picked up by UFOs all the time. Probably not, you know, logically, I'm thinking. But then the, the right. Air Force drops these videos of UFO. I'm like, what is this? <laughs> I've been wrong, <laughs> you know. So who knows? Who knows? That stuff could have absolutely been flying off the shelf, Randy. <laughs> absolutely. Yeah. You know, and if anything, I I totally agree. The older I get, the more I kind of tend to want to open my mind and realize I don't know as much as I thought I did. And uh, you know what? (laughs) Just got to stay open to possibilities. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Who would have thought TikTok would have taken off? I wouldn't have bet on that horn. Would have been wrong. (laughs) Um, You know, it's uh... 
Who I think the most disturbing oh. thing, the most disturbing thing about TikTok is the fact that kids putting zero effort into a little ten or thirty second video are probably going to get more views than any of the feature films that I make in my lifetime put together. And that oh, crazy. depresses me. <laughs> you know, when I when I, I think about uh, the current generation of, of content creators and entertainers. It, it was crazy. I saw a thing on the news, or it was somewhere, I, I, I don't know, it was late at night, and apparently this has been happening. I didn't see this coming, but this involves TikTok. Um, you know, we've all seen prison shows and, you know, and all this and that, and they'll sneak cell phones in, you know, and the criminals will, you know, connive with the gang outside the prison, you know, stuff happens. Um Mm-hmm. Apparently, they're sneaking phones in, and people are making TikTok. The prisoners are making TikTok videos <laughs> from prison, and that's—I couldn't believe it. So I told my wife, and she like, it took her like, you know, she's young. She, she just and oh yeah, here's a bunch right here. Look at this guy's making ramen noodles in his cell. People are watching. <laughs> she's like, what's well, that? Fourteen thousand views. <laughs> I'm like, please, yeah. please. <laughs> crazy that just world, my man. man. Yeah, crazy. Yeah, this is the world we live in. Now I'm telling you, I'm telling you. So, you know, this <laughs> happened at Disneyland that you worked, and it wasn't at the Haunted Mansion. That surprises me. You know, it wasn't. It was in the same area, though. It was in New Orleans Square. So uh-huh. it, was in, it was within a stone's throw of the Haunted Mansion. So maybe it was there just one of the uh, the happy haunts over there that just kind of decided to come <laughs> pay me a visit. That's right, the hitchhiking ghost. <laughs> no, yeah. we, my wife. We're in South Florida, so of course, and my wife grew up here, so you know she worships at the Temple of Disney. I tell people, <laughs> you know, we go about every three months. Um, man, I don't think there's. She's into it. I didn't know that much about Disney uh, before moving here, and I, I thought it was kind of like maybe like a state farm or something like that. Um, no, it's it's they're they're on it, man. <laughs> I'm pretty impressed with Disney. Disney doesn't. Oh, definitely. Run. Um, yeah, they, they're almost like it's a government unto themselves. Oh, man, I'm telling you, it's weird here in Florida. They get their own bus line. It's like a whole city, zip code, everything. Um, mm-hmm. So that must have been an interesting gig uh, working for them. Now, did you know that, like, entertainment was – like, when you were a kid, Randy, did you know – were you like a young Quentin Tarantino, you know, working at the video store and making Super 8 movies? And did you, Were you the film guy? Did you know entertainment I, movies I, was going to be yeah, what you were doing? I, I, that, that absolutely describes me to a T. I mean, from 11 years uh, old, I knew what I wanted to do. And uh, the very first thing that I tried to make, I had seen Spaceballs, the Mel Brooks movie in 1987 when it yeah. came out. And I fell in love with it. So I got all my friends together right. and we decided we were going to make our own sequel the one that's mentioned in the movie that they never actually made, Spaceball to the Search for More Money. So here we were, mm. 1987, 1988, you know, a bunch of 10-year-old kids uh, with a, a borrowed video camera shooting on VHS, uh, making wow. the very first the very first thing I ever made was a Spaceball sequel. But uh, no, ever since then, I, I knew what I wanted to do, and, and uh, I went to film school for it. And my my parents, my family, they were very supportive of it. And, you know, it's interesting because a lot of people, when you try to pursue any kind of art, whether it's film, Mm -hmm. um, whether it's music, whether it's actual physical, tangible art, that kind of thing, um, 
a lot of families they kind of like try to 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 get their 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 kids to to shy away from that like like how, how are you going to make any money you know you should go into something right. that's a little bit more uh stable and predictable and that kind of thing and um i saw a lot of people that i went to school with just kind of give up on their dream and 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 pursue more stable career paths and uh, and they were really talented people, so that was really disappointing to see. So uh, I was really thankful for the fact that my family was always very supportive of what I wanted to do. And whether or not it made any money when I was growing up, you know, as I was, you know, first doing it and when I was in college, when I got out, initially got out of college, I always had a plan B. You know, I always had another job simultaneously mm. while I was freelancing in the in the industry and that kind of thing. And even now, I, I work at a college in the film department, and you know, I'm helping shape the the minds of, of the next generation of young filmmakers. And it keeps it keeps number one, it it keeps me very uh, on top of current trends in terms of equipment and movie making technique, and uh, it also kind of uh, keeps me relevant in a way in, into what, you know, the, the youth, um, what they're into, what kind of stories they want to mm-hmm. tell, um, you know, just what it is that, that they're into at the moment. And the cool thing about that is, too, uh, for example, the, what we did with Like Dogs was I took a bunch of recent graduates and even some students that were still currently enrolled in our film classes, and that was my crew. Um, we basically just <laughs> made it a lot of people's uh, opportunity to their first time to work on a feature. It's just like, hey, you guys have taken all the classes. You've made your own movies. You know how to act on set and how to do your job. Now let's do it for real and actually put together something that people are going to see. And uh, right. this is the, the second time that I've done this. My the last feature film that I did also, uh, we worked with a, a a recently graduated student crew, and it, it's really fun because they have so much uh, enthusiasm for it. Like if you work with somebody that's been in the business for twenty, thirty years, they're kind of jaded. They're a little bit worn down, rough around the edges, that kind of mm-hmm. thing. But when when you work with these kids that are bright eyed and bushy tailed. They work twice as hard as just about anybody, and and they're hungry, and they're just happy to be telling stories, and uh, and yeah, working cool. in movies. And it, it's such a neat experience to be able to to give a lot of these people their their first real practical on set experience. So it, it's been rewarding in a lot of different ways. But uh, so that's, that's something that we really have fun with. And now, folks, a couple quick messages from some of our show sponsors. Stay tuned. We'll be back with the rest of the interview after these quick messages. Listen to this cool episode ad-free. If you're a VIP member, you can become one on my website, www.jamierocks.us, www. Dot J-A-M-I-E-R-O-X-X dot U-S. My Love Shack Apothecary online shop has everything you need to build a special gift for yourself or someone who needs a little pampering. I hand make all of the products in small batches using only plant-based ingredients and therapeutic-grade essential oils. Whether you choose one of my curated sets or want to build a custom gift set, My Love Shack Apothecary has everything you need to send a little sunshine to someone today. Please visit us online at www.loveshackapothecary.com. 
That's www.lovesachakapothecary.com, as well as online on Instagram and Facebook. Links are in our website. Support for this podcast comes from the University of Texas MD Anderson Cancer Center, ranked one of the top cancer centers in the nation for the last 27 years. The doctors at MD Anderson treat more rare cancers in a single day than many physicians see in a lifetime, and treatment plans are tailored to an individual patient's needs, allowing more comprehensive and thorough care. To become a patient, please visit makingcancerhistory.com. Aloha. If you have stress in your life or even anxiety and panic, I want to invite you to the Anxiety Coaches Podcast for a way out. The Anxiety Coaches Podcast is a relaxing and inspiring show, bringing you lifestyle changes to calm your nervous system and help you heal. Heal anxiety, panic, and PTSD for life. We bring you two episodes every week. There's no need to walk this path alone. Join us for a relaxing, informative, and inspiring time and start your journey out of anxiety panic. That's anxietycoachespodcast.com. Aloha. Hey there, my name is Paige Beatty, and I am the founder of Hats On and Hats Off, which are two separate companies but aligned by the same philosophy of raising cancer awareness and forming smiles. Hats On is a for-profit corporation that sells cancer-specific hats to be proudly worn by you in hopes of raising awareness. A percentage of the proceeds will be donated to Hats Off, which is a non-profit corporation, raising money to buy wigs for cancer patients who can't afford them. That's where we're forming smiles. I believe cancer has touched almost everyone's lives in one way or another, a friend, a family member, a friend of a friend. So please visit our website, www.hatsonhatsoff.com to learn how you can help raise awareness and form smiles. Rockscare, the online web shop of high-end luxury merchandise and products. All featuring original pop art paintings. From La Holla to Miami to London, www.merch.jamierocks.us. That, you know, it is so cool, and it, it what an opportunity. What an opportunity, man. Um, that's very, very cool. Uh, you know, that, hey, they've got their first entry on IMDb now. You know what I mean? How about that? Exactly. Oh, exactly. Yeah. You've made it, buddy. It's all smooth sailing. <laughs> now, <laughs> oh, if only it were that easy. <laughs> <laughs> no, but that's cool. Well, here's the thing. Here's the thing is, um, you know, you've given them a great opportunity. You've also ruined them, you realize, because once you get a taste <laughs> of your passion, there ain't no going back. You're going to be doing that. You know, you can't, you can't stop thinking about it. And, um, you know, it, you're stuck with it. There, let me put it this way. There's a reason Mick Jagger is still on stage. It ain't like he needs the money. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> 
I just thought, yeah, he wouldn't be happy. That's a very powerful drug. Exactly. It it is. Once you have a taste of it, oh, baby, Um, it's all, you know, that carrot is on the stick now. And you'll, the funny thing is, is, and you, I'm sure this is for you as well, Randy, and and you can tell people that it's so true. You'll work harder for your passion uh, than you ever would for somebody else's passion. (laughs) You know what I mean? You're you're like, oh, another 18-hour day? Yeah, not a big deal. We're making this. You know, this is, it has to be done. This is what we're doing. Um, But if you're out, you know, I don't know working at a factory no. or, you know, working in a store or something, you're like, yeah, they want no, me to work another 30 right. minutes? No way. <laughs> I'm out of here, buddy. Yeah. You know, what's that, that old adage? So it's like, if you, uh, if you love your job, then you feel like you never work a day in your life, that kind of thing. Um, so if, you, if you genuinely enjoy what you do, um, then you don't want to put the extra time into it. You know, um, and the, yeah, working on a film set—they're long days. They're they're twelve-hour days at minimum, and uh, you got to have a lot of passion, a lot of dedication, and uh, just a lot of drive to to make it happen. No, that's crazy. No, then let me ask you this too. I'm curious because we see the finished product. You know, I, I watched the film and it looks great. It, it's you know, and before I start doing the show. It's been a couple of years now. Um, I was vi- blissfully naive when it came to film and television and stuff. I'm like, I'd see a film or a TV show or something, and I'm like, yeah, they filmed that last week, you know? Took uh, Tuesday mm-hmm. night. They knocked it out. You know, I, I didn't know. Um, because it's, right. for us, it's just hit a button and it plays. It's instant. Um, and then I quickly right. learned that movie time is vastly different than uh what the rest of us consider reality time, you know, it takes a long time sometimes uh, for movies mm-hmm. to happen for various reasons and whatnot. Um, did this one take a while? Cause you know, we can't tell it. It looks seamless, you know, um, was this yeah. uh, a, a long shoot or production? I should it say? wasn't really, it, it was, it was only 14 days. So it was, oh, it was two calendar weeks and uh, 13 days were shot at that. Yeah. 13 days of that was shot at that animal shelter. And then we did uh, one day where, um, you know, we have some dream sequences that take place at a house. And then we have, uh, there's the abduction that we see at the very beginning of the movie. So all that stuff was shot on the, uh, on the other day, but yeah, basically two weeks and most big studio Hollywood movies, you know, they're shooting for months. <laughs> oh, yeah. Low budget oh yeah. You're paying everybody by the day that you're there. So time is literally money. And when you're working in the ultra low budget realm where I like to live, you know, um, you got to knock these things out in a couple weeks usually. No, but and then you look at something like uh, Lord of the Rings and what did they sign everybody up for like six years or something like crazy like that? Like, yeah, it, it helped that they were shooting. Yeah, it helped that they were shooting three movies back to back. But yeah, those, those take forever, especially anything with uh, a lot of traveling or big visual effects, that kind of thing. Um, not to mention all the time that it takes in post production as well. Like even this little movie, um, it took us, I would say, uh, maybe about a year to be 100% done after we were finished shooting, um, wow. and then we ended up. It, we finished it right at the beginning of the pandemic. 
and we had, our sales agent told us that, you know, because the, the pandemic had just started a couple months before that, that a lot of them, even though there weren't any films currently in production, everything that had already mm-hmm. been shot was going through post-production really quickly because the, there was nothing else they could do. All they could do was sit there and, and, and finish everything and edit and do all the, the post-production. So tons of movies were getting finished. So we ended up kind of sitting on it for about a year. And then all of a sudden, all the stuff that had been uh, finishing up in post during the pandemic, they more or less already got released or they ran out of material. And when it started getting light and they were, I don't want to say desperate for, for movies, but when, when they were like really kind of starving for content, that's when we decided, all right, now's the time to, to shop it around and get it out there. And uh, it worked out to our advantage really well because uh, it got us a really great release date because by releasing on October 1st, we, we are officially a Halloween movie. You know, we're, we're Halloween season, spooky season movie. And that's the absolute perfect time to release a movie like this. So um, it, it wouldn't have worked out so well had we, had we gone with our original plan. You know, you guys teamed up with Terror Films. I'm telling you, again, I'm not in the movie. I'm a guy that looks outside looking in the window to all this, this business. Those guys and gals seem to know what they're doing. You know, I see terror films all over the place. <laughs> and, um, oh, absolutely. You, know, you, you see that skull face come up and you're like, okay, you know, I, on <laughs> all the streaming sites and whatnot, that's pretty impressive. Um, so that's cool. Yeah, they're, they're definitely yeah they're a great company to partner with, and they have been uh, they they've taken great care with this movie. Uh, you know, they cut together the trailer that you saw. It was really different from the version that I cut together. Theirs is infinitely better. Uh, they did the artwork, the the thumbnail image that you see on the streaming sites and that kind mm-hmm. of thing, um, and it's a really evocative image. Um, that makes people kind of excited to check out the movie. Um, and they, they just really know how to treat a movie like this. You know, this is, this is their bread and butter. I mean, they're called terror films for a reason, but, uh, but luckily, you know, they, they know what to do with a, with a fun little, uh, uh, psychological thriller as well. (laughs) But, um, they they really helped this movie get to an audience. And that's cool, man, especially during a pandemic. (laughs) You know, I mean, right. just, all the festivals and whatnot, you know, they're all virtual, and that's great. And I'm not, I'm not putting anybody down, you know, any, any, they can't do anything else, you know. Some of them are doing live stuff now. But one of the, the things, and for those who don't know, I mean, one of the things when people make a movie, it seems to me that you do that festival circuit to meet mm-hmm. people like terror films. And, so, you know, you're, you're out there, exactly. you know, and you're getting, creating buzz and whatnot. Um Hard to do, hard to do. It, it's, I always tell this to people, you know, in my game, I, I'm not in the movie business, I paint paintings for a living, but it, I can sell a painting, I, I can close the deal if I can talk to the person. You know what I mean? Email and messages right. and everything, I, I'm good at it, but if, I, and if I'm in person, that, that's shooting fish in the barrel, you know, that, that's, that's <laughs> what, what I like to do. But, um, it's hard to do right now, you know. It's the last year and a half. Um, well, this is a great film. Yeah. This is a great film, and it's fun, and it's engaging, and it's a good Halloween film. Um, this will mess you up. And I'm telling you, I can't be the only guy whose wife watches all these crazy shows. My wife loves this stuff, <laughs> you know. And um, Oh, that's great. That's good to hear. <laughs> yeah, man, yeah. Let me ask you this about your wife now. Now, you come sure. back. 
from scouting this and you're like, dear, you know, you sit down at the table, you're, you, you know, eating meatloaf or whatever it is you're eating. And you're like, okay, um, I found this abandoned uh, dog uh, animal hospital. And, um, you know, I, I want to make a movie about, uh, you know, people in this crazy experiment that are being, you know, kidnapped and then treated like animals and, and you know, and it's going to take a year and a half. Um, <laughs> I don't know if I could sell that, Randy. I don't know if I can sell it to my wife, you know. Um, it's it's definitely like a hard process. to sell, but, you, but here, here's how I made it work, though. This is, this is, I think, what the key is to getting anybody on board. Um, and that's uh, making them feel like they got skin in the game, you know, getting them involved yeah. with the creation of it. You know, one of the coolest things uh, above and beyond uh, my wife being really instrumental in helping us with casting uh, was she really helped with the writing of it. Um, like when I came to oh, the yeah. first draft, it was really, it was really clunky, you know, and, and, and I, I wanted desperately to have a really strong female lead, and I didn't want it to feel as if it was written from a male voice, that kind of thing. So um, I, right. I kind of brought her in on it early on, and I'm like, you know, what can I do to kind of fix this? You know, what, what can we do to make it feel more genuine? And um, one of the things that she was really big on is kind of um, – regarding the experiment within the film, she says, you know, it's really kind of flimsy. We never really talk about any of the science behind it. So her, her big thing was kind of trying to make it feel a little bit more realistic in terms of, of being an actual experiment that a university would agree to fund that kind of thing, you know, making it like giving a little, breathing a little bit more life into the science element of it. But she also ended up came, coming up with the, uh, the title for it too, because initially I had an entirely different title for the movie. And, and uh, the moment I heard her sing like dog, why don't we just call it like dogs? And I'm like, oh my goodness! So why did I? Why didn't I think it was perfect? <laughs> um, but, but it was great because by by bringing her into it early on and, and getting her excited about it, and, and um, by working on it together, you know, um, it wasn't necessarily a hard sell to to explain that this is how I'm going to be spending the next year and a half of my life. But um, awesome. you know, to 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 each their own. Your your mileage may vary. Well, you know. It's- it's cool that you recognize that because, man, I tell you, that's one of my pet peeves. And I'm not one of these people that will pick a movie apart. You know, I'm like, that apple was on the other side of the table. I hate watching movies with people like that, you know, that <laughs> will just pick a movie apart. Um, I'm not that person. But I will say this. I've seen a lot of movies where um, – because men and women talk different. They have a different cadence usually, and they just mm-hmm. talk different, you know, and um, – it's, uh, I'll tell you, it, it, and I hate, I can't believe I'm going to say this. I'm going to get so many emails for this. Old Quentin has a little bit of an issue. He's a fantastic filmmaker. Don't get me wrong. I love his movies. I, I don't think there's one I haven't seen. Um, but he has an issue with writing female dialogue. It, it's too mm-hmm. Chandler-esque, too, you know, machine gunny. And um, right. at least all the women I know don't don't speak that way. Uh, maybe those gals <laughs> on Gilmore Girls, you know, but, but that didn't sound realistic to me either. Um, but it's cool to, to bring somebody in, you know. And I tell you, every painting I paint, before anybody sees it, my wife, I look at it. <laughs> this is very true, ladies and gentlemen. You're going to say, oh, the genius of Jamie and his painting. No, it's, it's the genius of Danny, his wife. Um, well, dear, do you think it's done? I don't know. You need to work on that mouth a little more. <laughs> you know, that, that happens daily in our house. And, 
And and that's and uh, the one it. voice that you know can be absolutely truthful with you too. And you know she's going to tell you exactly how she feels because that's what wives do. <laughs> and and you know I I love my own very much for that. And she will let me know if she thinks it's a steaming pile of dog crap. She will let me know. You're not thinking of actually showing people that, are you? <laughs> I'm like, no, I guess not. All right, I pa- I, I failed that test. I'll, I'll go back and rework it. You know, um, but I love. I've been in those shoes. That's fantastic. Let me ask you. I, I know yeah. we're we're man. We're, I could do one of these Joe Rogan three hour deals because you're just fascinating. This film is fascinating. Uh, but I just I, I know we got to wrap it up, Tim. But I wanted to find out the, the that beginning scene where she's abducted. Now, mm-hmm. and it is, folks. It's in the trailer, so I'm not giving anything away. It's, you know, a, a blackout, a white blackout, you know, no windows, and she's got a bag over her head and whatnot. And it looks like it happens in some suburban neighborhood somewhere, you know. And um, right now, when that happened, were you worried that, like, yeah, I hope the neighbors don't call the cops on, like, if they think this is because re- it looks very realistic. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it, 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 it was like what I would imagine. Yeah, it, it definitely does look very realistic. But what you don't see, and and it's kind of neat because we have a lot of behind-the-scenes footage of it, what you don't see just out of frame over on the right-hand side, there's actually a police car sitting right there monitoring the entire thing because, you know, to shoot out in public, you have to have permits and you have to have insurance. And since we were basically committing a crime, you know, in the open public, that kind of thing, we didn't have any weapons or anything like that. But because we were we were looking like we were committing a crime out in the open, we had to have a police escort. So that way, you know, mm. maybe there would be a neighbor coming out with a gun thinking they're they're going to save the day and be a good Samaritan, you know, and all of a right. sudden, you know, our stunt driver gets shot, <laughs> you know. So uh, so it's super important to make sure that you do all that kind of stuff legally. For anybody thinking of making their own movie, um, there is a lot of paperwork and legality that goes into it. And that's, like I mentioned earlier, that's where it comes in very handy, having a good set of producers that can handle all of that for you so you don't have to worry about it on set on the day of, but yeah, all of and that you don't have was, problems was very meticulously planned for. Absolutely, that's yeah, amazing. The last thing you want to do is have police come and pull you over while you're in the middle of a shot, or or have angry neighbors come out and start yelling at you, or waving guns around that kind of thing because they think you're trying to hold up the neighborhood. You know, and and that's the thing too. I mean, we were in a nice, quiet little corner of suburbia. It's super quiet picturesque little neighborhood for this this nasty abduction to take place and it was you know it definitely would have been something to wake up the neighborhood oh absolutely i i thought about that i had no idea i had no idea that the police had to. that's 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 it see there you go people the the magic of movies who would have thought <laughs> well everybody probably but me um, that's pretty cool. Well, you know, that's pretty you know what cool. caught me off guard when I first started making movies too. It was like when I was a kid, I had no idea that they were shot out of order. I thought they were shot in chronological order because right. that's what makes sense. But movies are definitely not made that way. But this one we actually kind of did because we uh, all, all the stuff that happens in the kennel rooms, uh, we wanted the actors to kind of get used to the surroundings or being in there for a few days and then start getting tired and fatigued of the surroundings by the end of the week that we were mm. shooting with them uh, chained up in the kennels. So uh, it worked out really well because it actually comes through in their performance. Um, uh, and, and like I said, normally you don't shoot movies Mark. chronologically like that, but it really worked pretty well for us to do it that way for this one. So smart. So smart. 
And, you know, and the thing is, is all those little details, all that attention to details, folks, translates to just a really good movie. I'm telling you that watch this, ladies and gentlemen, and your mind's going to be messed up, man. It is, it is very cool. Um, and I say that in a good way. Um, it's good art. It's good <laughs> art. That's what I'm saying. Randy, I know I kept you way longer than I was supposed to, but I really appreciate it. And, um, hey, you did a, a live Q&A today, too, right? On Sam? Um, we did a, we, we did a uh, Q&A on Sunday. Uh, we had oh, a Sunday. Okay. Of the movie. Yeah. Nice. We, we, uh, nice. we had no, a is, cast and crew screening. Is that out somewhere? The cast hadn't even seen the movie yet. Um, no, no, oh, really? no, not yet. I don't know if we're going to have the opportunity to, to release the, the Q&A uh, publicly, but um, but there there are going to be some fun behind-the-scenes materials that we're going to be releasing in the coming months. Um, there's a nice. neat little featurette that we cut together showing some behind-the-scenes moments of how the movie was made, um, including some uh, a look into our casting process and that kind of thing. And uh, there's going to be some deleted scenes that we're going to be releasing the same way, too. Since, unfortunately, physical media isn't as popular these days, because I used to love collecting DVDs right. for all the bonus features. But, but um, now I think we're just going to be releasing them online for, for people for free, which is cool. You know, um, awesome. but uh, yeah, we're still making those bonus materials, and we'll make them available to people. But yeah, it, it's a it's a lot of fun stuff, and um, you know, uh, the more people check it out, uh, the better, because you know, the, these little independent films they kind of live and die by word of mouth and by mm. uh, you know reviews from from folks like you. You know, just uh, telling your friends about it and telling your audience about it. And a lot of times these little things, they just kind of, these little movies, they'll just slip away into obscurity. So uh, I really appreciate, you know, talking to folks that appreciate it like you do and uh, are are willing to to take a chance and risk 90 minutes on a filmmaker you may have never heard of before to watch their movie. And who knows, maybe it turns out pretty good. (laughs) That's awesome. That's awesome. Hey, before we came on the air, when we were off mic, we were talking a little bit uh, before the show started. I did not know this, and you had mentioned you also do a podcast. Tell us about this before I let you go, because we want to link to it and all that. Sure. Um, I do a podcast called Geek Legacy, and um, we basically do uh, geek news and reviews, that kind of thing. Uh, We talk about movies and and, uh, video games, TV shows, that kind of thing. Um, So it's just really about pop culture. Um, and oh, we've been cool. doing it since 2011, so we're we're celebrating our, our 10 year anniversary, and uh, it's nice. pretty cool because you know it gets us into events like San Diego Comic Con and that sort of thing um, as right. a news outlet. So it's given us the, the opportunity to be able to interview some really fun people. So we've got a, a YouTube channel as well where you can see some fun celebrity interviews from Comic Con and other events. And um, nice. you know we uh, are on yeah we're on iTunes and a couple other uh, podcast platforms, but uh, check it out. It's geek legacy we have a couple other uh shows in our in our podcast network as well um but uh that are that are kind of like split off into other niches but the 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 geek legacy podcast proper is just uh kind of a scatter shot just talking about uh pop culture so it's a lot of fun it's a very cool it's just uh you know pontificating about uh whatever uh new movies and and tv shows and stuff are, are hitting the world that's awesome. That's awesome. All the crazy people who listen to my thing will definitely be into that. I will be throwing that link up as well, folks, all on my uh, social media and whatnot and on the show page here. Very, very cool. Randy, thank you so much for taking time to be on the show, and uh, I'm sorry I kept you longer. 
And uh, sorry about the time mix-up, too, man. Oh, man. I don't know what I was <laughs> That's all right. Anyhow. Um, don't worry about it. You know, I, I enjoyed every second of it. I time of my life. And I, uh, well, I really appreciate cool. you having me. This was a lot of fun. Absolutely. Anytime, my friend. Anytime. You have a new friend in South Florida, so... You know, next time the the wife is saying Disneyland again, say, well, hey, I know this crazy <laughs> guy, this painter guy. Let's go to Disney World this time. How about that? Um, it's the same thing, I think, at this point. Although you guys got that cool Tron ride out there that I want to go on really bad. Um, I don't know. I think that's actually happening out, out of you guys. We're, yeah, that's happening oh, over there it? with is you it? guys. We don't we don't have the Tron, Tron ride yet. Yeah, the only one that it's open at is uh, Shanghai Disney, and then it's being built. I want to say over at Hollywood Studios over there. Nice, nice. Yeah, yeah. I was kind of bummed. I I love um they they closed Hollywood Studios. I I was like all been out of shape about it. They closed that great movie ride, which I loved. That was my oh, favorite I love one. That. Um, yeah, and, you know, the little vignette from Raiders of the Lost Ark was my favorite. Yeah, absolutely. Absol- oh, yeah, the show thing. Yeah, it's it's very cool. <laughs> it's very cool. Matter of fact, I just had a I had a commission painting where this guy, this is the weird stuff that I get uh, across my desk. Uh, this guy wanted a painting done where he's riding in a, a German Panzer tank, and I'm like, dude, I, you know, I'm not gonna paint Nazi stuff. Are you kidding me? And um, <laughs> then my wife, the voice of reason, said. Well, hey, you remember that Hollywood Studios show that we saw at Disney? You noticed there wasn't any Nazi symbolism on all that, but it was all you knew it was not. And I'm like, yeah, let me to Google Images. We go and uh, <laughs> I used some of their tricks. <laughs> Got the job done. Check was cashed. Excellent. It all worked out. <laughs> Anyhow, love it. Well, Randy, I will have, uh, and ladies and gentlemen, I will have this uh, converted to a podcast. We're going to push this out on all the various social media platforms and on all the podcasting platforms. Wherever you listen and download podcasts at, I'm pretty sure you can find us. We're on like 478 podcasting platforms right now. Um, It's crazy. But, um, yeah, you know, you can't complain. You can't complain. Our advertisers dig it. And also, I have a post-it note here if you want to hear any of the podcasts without ads. Uh, well, you can over on my Patreon. So there you go. All the information is on my website. Anyhow, we will see. Oh, and folks, I've been getting a ton of emails. Yes, I'm not doing any live shows for the next um, week. Uh, but we will be back the 14th. I, I got to get ready for the holiday season, man. I got to get these paintings knocked out. So, um, yeah, it's a work week for me. Uh, But have a great time, everybody. And uh, also, remember, we still live in a weird world. Um, If you're shopping or whatever, you're out, you know, doing your thing, and you disagree with a store's policy on whatever, um, I can guarantee you the guy or the gal behind the register are not sitting down to corporate boardroom meetings, and they have nothing to do with that. So if you're mad, don't take it out on them. Go home and, I don't know send that corporate an email or something. I'm sure they'll get right back to you and change their policies. Anyhow, you'll feel better. Don't be a jerk. Be nice to people. And uh, we'll all, we all appreciate it. Especially all of us behind you in the line, because we want to get out of there too. Have a good one, everybody. We will see you next week. Thank you. Randy Van Dyke, everybody. Add his social media. We have links up to it. Thanks, Randy. Thanks for having me. Have a good one. You too. Bye.
This has been Pop Art Painter Jamie Rocks' Pop Rocks Radio Talk Show. It has been executive produced by Jamie Rocks, recorded at his studio in Deerfield Beach in South Florida. All rights reserved by Pop Rocks Limited for broadcast on Blog Talk Radio. Tana Oli, Pop Rocks Radio. Estás escuchando Jamie Rocks de Pop Rocks Radio. Manténganse al tanto. Hej, det här är Hicks från Sverige och ni lyssnar till Pop Rocks Radio med Jamie Rocks. Blog Talk Radio.